Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP Sports Talk on this Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. Live with CDP Sports Talk is also sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. You can also check out their uh, newest and and used selection of GM vehicles at barrycullen.com. And also, guys, you can also order the all-electric you can actually pre-order the all-electric Silverado as well if you check out BarryCon.com or give them a call at 519-824-0210. Again, uh, check out Barry Collin in the Guelph Auto Mall at 905 Woodlawn Road West in here in Guelph and check out BarryCollin.com. And I want to say thank you again to Mark Collin for sponsoring Live with CDP Sports Talk. Anyways, guys, uh, good afternoon, everybody. I hope everyone's doing well. And I'm um, looking forward to my guest today. This is the second time on my podcast show. His name is Jim Van Horn. Uh, he is a longtime professor at Fanshawe College in their broadcasting department. And he's also their color analyst for the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League on CFLP, uh, CFPL 980 in London, Ontario, alongside Mike Stubbs. And I look forward to speaking to Jim uh, today about the 2022-23 uh, London Knights and uh, the return of the OHL hockey uh, regular season, which started last week. So just bear with me, guys, one minute, and I'm going to bring on uh, Jim Van Horn. Good afternoon, hey, Jim. How you How doing? Are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great, and uh, thank you for having me on again. Uh, we had lots of fun last time. Looking forward to it. Yes, and I really appreciate it, Jim. I was going to say we had some breaking news in the OHL today. Yes, uh, just, I heard. Just an hour ago from my uh, hometown, from my city. Yeah, and we uh, really have to, I mean, uh, it's one of those uh, stories that stops everyone in the OHL in their tracks. Scott Walker, we wish uh, Scott the best. Uh, he's had to apparently, uh, CDP, you may know more than me, but he's had to step aside uh, to deal with some health uh, matters. And uh, he's one of those guys that just competes so hard, but every opponent ever has just respected him so much, whether he was on the ice or as a coach, uh, we wish Scott Walker uh, the absolute best from here in London. I was going to say, um, he came back to coach the team this year when uh, the, uh, the ownership uh, wanted George Burnett to do one job. So George went up to GM and Scott was happy to come back as head coach. So uh, this announcement was kind of a, kind of a surprise. We, none of us saw this coming. So um, hopefully Scott will be okay. And uh, Chad Wiseman, who's been with the team since the 18, 19 season, I think will do a really nice job as uh, the storms head coach uh, for this season. Well, and it is a season that uh, a lot of Storm fans should be looking forward to. It's a great collection of young talent they have there. And uh, once everybody gets back and rolling, uh, that is a team to be dealt with. So uh, he's uh, uh, getting into a good situation there from the standpoint of having a, a great product on the ice. But, um, you know, all of that aside, uh, again, best to Scott and uh, his family dealing with that. And we hope to see him back soon. 
Absolutely. And I was going to ask you this later in my show, Jim, but as a being a head coach in the Ontario Hockey League, that is a, a, a quite a demanding job for anybody. Oh, there's no question about it. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, and I can recall in the early days of the OHL, one got, one person had to do it all. I mean, coach, assistant coach, now you see two and three guys back there to help out. So, but the game has become much more sophisticated as well with video scouting, with uh, all the development of uh, things that have gone on, um, on the ice, off the ice. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was not that long ago in my memory anyway, that it was um, Bill Long and that's it, or Wayne Maxner or whoever, Ron Smith back in, in Guelph. And it was that was pretty much it. Anybody that was an assistant was typically unpaid but that is just uh, kind of a symbol of how the OHL has gone from a kind of a corner variety store mom and pop shop to a actually a high-end uh, semi-professional kind of uh, operations with uh, staffs and quite sophisticated coaching player development kind of a year-round operation um, but and, and the fans have been able to enjoy a much better product as a result. And I was going to say, and as a coach, uh, you have long bus trips as well, as you know, well, uh, bus trips across Ontario and now into the States as well. And it's a, it's not like you're a eight to four job. Exactly. And, um, you know, Ontario is kind of lucky in that respect uh, from the bus trips, um, especially in London and Guelph, there aren't too many long ones. Can you imagine out West in the Western Hockey League when, uh, I remember uh, Dave Lowry tells a story about uh, coaching uh, in, on, on Vancouver Island and, uh, you know, having to get there. Uh, sometimes you'd miss the ferry. And, and if you were on a long bus trip, you'd have to just sit there and wait for the next ferry in the morning. You'd, you just kind of sleep it away on the bus. And uh, those guys uh, the, from the West, they really learn the tough part of the travel. But also, um, you know, uh, d dealing with the uh, various levels of uh, of professional hockey and uh, parents and schools and, and, and agents, uh, you know, it's become much more complicated from that point of view. But you know what, though, CDP, all the guys involved wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Uh, they say the best thing to do when they retire from the game, they just miss the dressing room. They miss the guys. They miss the competition. And the next best thing to playing is coaching. So, you know, you're right. It's a tough, demanding job. But uh, for those who do it and are good at it, they wouldn't want to be anywhere else. They love it. And uh, hopefully Scott will be okay. And, and your health always comes first, no matter what. You bet. Uh, that is so true. And uh, um, uh, the, the mental health, too, the stress uh, on on the psychological aspect of of uh, the demanding nature and the very public nature of uh, of coaching, it's uh, uh, it does take its toll for sure. Definitely. Now, Jim, I was going to say, how was your summer this year? It was wonderful. Um, we were uh, we traveled a bit, and uh, so that was kind of nice. Um, got a chance to do that, um, and we just uh, there was a lot of. Uh, pent up demand, I guess. And we're getting to the age where, Hey, we, we thought we'd take a chance at it and, and came through it on the other side, very healthy. So we were thrilled with that. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, uh, had a bit more time because, uh, I've stepped back a bit from Fanshawe and, and 
got into what they call, I guess, semi-retirement, but I'm still waiting to feel uh, retired. But um, I've still got some courses uh, that require me uh, to be around Fanshawe. And I, I'm so I'm teaching what they would say is partial load and uh, really enjoying that, but have left some of the duties uh, behind, which uh, has been an adjustment, but a positive one. I was going to say, what a difference a year makes compared to last year and even two years ago with the pandemic. Honestly, uh, that's the truth. It's, um, you know, there was an extra jump in the crowd the other night at the night's home opener, you know, when they, it was like, it, it felt for the first time, like we're finally back, you know, like this was it, no restrictions. Um, Dale Hunter made the point uh, in, in the, uh, quote in the free press uh, to Ryan Payette that, you know, some of these guys have been here three years and it was their first true home opener um, because uh, remember we had uh, no crowds for a while and, and then the cancellations. And so, I mean, for some 9,036, this was the first time that they kind of felt the energy of it. And especially on a sort of a big event type moment uh, as uh, the home opener often is. Yes, and I was at the Gulf Storm home opener with Rogers TV as a camera operator, and they had a sellout crowd, 4,800 fans in there, and it was nice to see the Sleeman Center, like Bud Gardens, uh, filled to capacity and, and loud and noisy. Well, and for good reason. The fans uh, should be, um, as I said before, the, the anticipation. Uh, I mean, you got some uh, players there, you know, be it uh, Cam Allen, I know everybody's not back from from uh, camp just yet or suspension or what have you, but once the storm get rolling, uh, get your tickets because <laughs> they'll be exciting. And uh, as you saw, uh, the CHL preseason top 10, they're right there and for good reason. So it's not, don't take my word for it. A lot of the experts think they're going to be there as well. And, uh, and Guelph's got a lot of exciting young talent. So with good... Uh, reason there was good uh, excitement there i was gonna say uh they're off to a slow start right now but uh, i think with chad wiseman taking over and uh hopefully uh they have an issue with their goaltending right now uh with jacob oster and dixon grimes who's been out uh with a lower body injury so they brought in ethan cole cole watch i think from the mississauga steelheads but um, the storm are off to a slow start, but it, they're still at 65 games left in the regular season. Yeah, I, I, I still think they're a, they're a safe bet once everybody gets back and healthy and rolling. That um, they'll be a very solid contender in the uh, Western Conference. Um, we saw Owen Sound uh, CDP, and they are also uh, looking very good. Uh, it's always a great story. To me, when a small market like Owen Sound is able to put uh, a team like that on the ice, they're very passionate fans there as well. And uh, it's what CHL hockey to me is all about. The fact that, uh, you know, you can, uh, of the 60 um, organizations, I believe is 60 now still, and Owen Sound probably the smallest center in terms of population, but, but they have a really good entertaining team and uh, they'll be one to watch as well. So from our uh, area perspective, there's uh, a lot of excitement. Sarnia's off to a good start or down here too. And and uh, Sting fans have been waiting for this kind of team for a long time. I was going to say their goaltender is uh, doing well too. Ben Goudreau, I think is his name. Yeah, that's right. And 
you're going to see him, I think, well, I, uh, you know, he's certainly on Hockey Canada's radar, and you're going to see him on the international stage. He is wow. uh, uh, he's that good, and um, they took him in the first round, which is kind of rare for a goalie a few years ago, and, and uh, they don't regret it because uh, he's played for Canada in the under-18, and he's been the backbone for a Sarnia team, and he's going to keep them in every game for sure, and uh, he's a San Jose Shark draft pick and look out uh he's gonna have a big year uh ben godro you're absolutely right i was gonna say this western conference again is gonna be tough uh from one to eight and i think well i i don't think there's gonna be too many weak teams in the west this year and uh i was gonna say it would be nice to see sarnia do well same with owen sound and uh one other team i wanted to bring up jim before i get to questions is the niagara ice dogs i had their head coach on daniel fitzgerald this summer really good guy uh Good hockey coach, uh, coached the Brantford uh, 99ers for four years in the Go Junior Hockey League, and now he's the head coach of the Ice Dogs. And they have made a lot of uh, changes to that roster, and they're off to a nice start so far, 2-0-1 in Niagara. Well, they were, they were very impressive in, in, a, in a number of ways in what they did. They really are um, looking at a fresh start there. There was a lot going on with the Burke family, um, as you know, and, um, you know, it, it didn't, um, didn't end well, end too, uh, well for that, uh, family to, you know, uh, uh, to hand over ownership of that team. But, uh, I am so impressed with that organization and the way that they have dealt with their issues, you know, as an example, um, Sam Dickinson, when he, uh, did not, uh, feel that he wanted to report there. They dealt with that right away. It was not going to linger. It was not going to be uh, a issue in the dressing room. It's like, okay, here are our options. We want to get uh, this done. And they got it done. They, um, and he's an outstanding player. He's going to be a, a really good uh, pro professional hockey player. I think there's no doubt about that, but also, Niagara did well. That was a fair deal. And they're also going to get a top pick next year as compensations. They got all these draft picks plus the number five pick next year. So they, they're, they're pro you can tell a good organization and the way they solve problems. So they, and they solve that problem in the best way possible with the limited uh, uh, disruption to the current organization. And I give them a lot of credit for that. They, uh, they got a, a good, they're off to a really good start, but oftentimes um, when you do the right things uh, off the ice, the on, on ice product will follow. And uh, I mean, they're not going to go undefeated this year. I don't Obviously. I think that's safe to say, but uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, you know, sometimes players really pick up on an improved environment in an organization and it reflects on the ice and who knows? Maybe that's what you've seen in Niagara so far. And I like the fact they uh, they acquired Pascal Zito, uh, the Red Wings yeah. draft pick from Windsor. They acquired uh, Matt Pappas from the Guelph Storm, who yeah. I wish Guelph could have kept, but they had to choose between uh, Ben McFarland and Matt Pappas, and they uh, chose McFarland. So I, I think Matt Pappas will be a nice addition to yeah. that Ice Dogs team. And I, I like the LeBlanc twins. I think that was a good pickup. Um, Andrew... I think can still break through in this league as a top forward. Uh, 
uh, you know, and, and they're going home. They're going to where they played minor midget at Southern Tier. And uh, uh, Jacob LeBlanc was uh, really coming along, I thought, well in, in Kitchener. So that was another good uh, addition for them. So, yeah, they'll be good. And I was going to say, Jim, it's kind of nice now for the first time in three years we'll be able to see the uh, Eastern Conference teams at least twice. I really think it should be increased to four times, but I hope that gets brought up in the OHL negotiations in the future. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, Shane Wright, for example, uh, really uh, one of the stars in the league, really didn't – we didn't see him much in the West uh, at all, really, in his whole time, his whole career, really in uh, – in Kingston. So, uh, but that happens and uh, vice versa the other way. If you have a great player in the, in the Western conference, sometimes they, the East doesn't get uh, a chance to see them, but uh, the OHL has some uh, cost issues with respect to travel and, and whatnot and education compromise. Uh, so they have the schedule unbalanced the way it is. And I guess that's okay. You know, um, 68 games is a lot of games and, and uh, it is what it is. Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody from Hamilton. I, I was at that game Friday night in Guelph, and as I, I said to them, it's a shame that the Bulldogs don't play the Storm, Kitchener, and London a little bit more, being um, an hour and a half from London and, and about 45 minutes to an hour from Guelph and Kitchener. Yeah, and and I I would uh, I would say that over the length of a schedule last year, when you play a sing, uh, you know, two or three opponents as a bulk of your schedule, it's like, oh, is so and so coming to town again? We just saw him last week, and yeah, while sometimes you get the familiarity breeding a good rivalry, sometimes it doesn't. You know, um, sometimes it's uh, almost not tiresome, but uh, you know, you want the variety of uh, a different uniform, a different set of stars coming in. You know, hey, uh, you get a chance to see somebody tonight, somebody else like a Shane Wright or whoever it might be from the other side. But uh, there's, you know, the balance now will be better uh, because uh, now we've got, we're, we're going back uh, to the East and um, I guess, uh, you know, uh, who was it this weekend though? Erie, maybe not so happy because <laughs> they had to do the, the trip to the East and uh, you don't, it's tougher to get points sometimes when you're on the road like that for so many hours and so many days. I was going to say, and you got uh, a couple games this week, Friday night at home to the Sioux Greyhounds, yep. and then Saturday night at Erie. Now, i got to ask you this, Jim. Are you and Mike back traveling with the team for the road games now, broadcasting on the road? Yes, we are. Um, and uh, pretty much, um, you know, there was a time last year during the cross-border situation where we uh, we were forced to do it on uh, monitor. But um you know, that's gone now, as far as I'm concerned, we're free to go um, and uh, faxed and ready. And and uh, the border situation uh, looks like that's cleared up um, and uh, we won't be needing the arrive can or anything like that. So uh, we'll be heading to Erie and uh, and and we didn't miss the whole uh, Erie series last year. I don't did we go once. I don't think we did. Anyway, yeah, we're going and we're going uh over the border on the bus in good form. So, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be nice to get back to, you know, not having to worry about that kind of stuff. You'll have to say hi to Sean Bernard for me. We, I, had him, I, I will. 
super great guy and I had him on my show. And I was going to ask you, the Knights are closer to Michigan than New York State. Do you guys go through Michigan to get to Erie or do you guys go through Hamilton and take the QE up through Niagara? Uh, yeah, we get, we cross at, uh, at Buffalo. Okay. And uh, so it's two hours to Buffalo and uh, two hours from Buffalo to uh, Erie. I think it would be about an hour more the other way uh, through Michigan. We are two hours from Detroit. And then I think it would be about three to Erie. It's two hours to Cleveland. And I think it's another hour from Cleveland to Erie. So you cut off about an hour going the other way, going by Buffalo way, which is interesting now because sometimes we come back and, and Jake Patterson, I don't know if you remember that name. Yes. He was a goaltender with a couple of the Knights, uh, OHL championship teams in 11 and 12. And um, he's a border patrol officer at Buffalo now. So we get to say hello to him every once in a while. He's there and it's like, yeah, I remember uh, being on that bus with you guys and he's uh, doing well and in, uh, in security. Wow. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Stuff like that. That's great. Okay. Um, I wanted to get to some questions, Jim. Sure. First wanted to ask you is uh, just quickly, I, I don't want to talk too much about last year, but just thoughts on last year's Knights team and their uh, seven, uh, seven game first round series loss to the Kitchener Rangers, who I thought were the underdogs in that series to the Knights. Yeah, I would say that's fair uh, for sure. And even uh, Kitchener probably thought so too. And, but uh, it just goes to show you, right. Um, I thought the Knights played well um, and uh, really did pretty much everything they could in game seven, um, except put the puck in the net. Uh, they, I mean, it's the, it's really doesn't matter if you territorially, um, you know, have an advantage. Um, it's, it's a matter of, uh, but I think Kitchener sort of really, they had some players that really, uh, adapted to that underdog role. And the longer that series went, the more they enjoyed it, the more they came together as a team and the more Patesian and, you know, was, was the leader and ended up scoring the uh, winner in overtime. And uh, I, I just felt that they um, galvanized together and really grab that underdog role and then the longer it went on it was kind of the opposite on london side it was like that maybe the nerves set in around the net saying oh my gosh you know this team just will not go away and uh and then all of a sudden it's overtime of game seven then at that point it's truly 50 50 and patesian just made a great play to uh get the winner but credit to them uh, Kitchener is, uh, but it, it just also goes to show this is a really hard league to win any playoff series. Um, certainly, uh, the Knights are getting, uh, a lesson on that. It's just difficult. Uh, the year before, of course, um, we didn't have a playoff and the year before that the season ended, um, when the Knights looked like they were, you know, as good, a, had a good a shot as anybody. So it's since that, um, 2016 Mitch Marner led team, uh, the Knights have been, you know, um, they've been shown the reality of the OHL and how hard it is to nail down those, uh, those playoff series. So, um, but that, that, that's how I saw it. I just saw that uh, Kitchener uh, gathered together the Knights uh, and I, 
I, I don't know if Brochu was at his best. Uh, you know, um, nobody would ever say that. I think I don't think he was a hundred percent healthy. Uh, he tried. He played every game and every minute of that series. But I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he was a hundred percent. No, obviously no excuse. Um, uh, but um, full full credit to the Rangers. Um, they just uh, showed that spirit that sometimes uh, teams get in the playoffs when the rest of the world tells them that they don't have a chance. And uh, they, they said, oh, yeah, we'll show you, and they did. So, really, there's nothing too much to analyze uh, except to say that the Rangers deserve full credit and their leadership really came along, and they were so resilient. Um, it's a really tough thing to do to be, and I'll just use the phrase outplayed when you're territorially being outplayed by an opponent and you have the toughness to fight through that and sort of say, okay, we can handle these moments where we're pinned in the zone. They had great goaltending too. Uh, both Chion and Parsons had tremendous series at moments in that, in that game or in that series. So, you know, I, I, I don't see it as anything but full credit to uh, Kitchener. And I was going to say that Windsor Spitfires had a tough time coming out of the West too. And I Flint gave them a, a heck of a run as yeah. well. Seven games. A absolutely. And that Windsor team was loaded and uh, you know, Flint had a good team as well. And, and uh, Windsor and Hamilton, I mean, you look at that series and uh, you know, they uh, Windsor probably took a lot out of Hamilton to the extent of, uh, you know, affecting the results of the Memorial cup. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, but like you said, the Western Conference, uh, do we ever get an easy year? In the West? Nobody gets out of the Western Conference easily, you know. It's no. just always tough. Definitely. And uh, Josh Sweetland of the OHL set me up with a media pass for uh, Game 5 last year, Windsor-Hamilton at the uh, first Ontario Centre. It was a great experience. I just thankfully reached. Dumani showed me the backup way up to that media press box because when he <laughs> took, me up, took me up that elevator, he's like, oh, don't look down, Chris. Don't look down. It's a catwalk. I'm like, uh, is there another way? And uh, Reese ended up showing me uh, a backup way to the press box, a safer oh, way. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. you got a real indoctrination into the OHL. That's a legendary walk. Uh, I've, been with pay I've been with reporters who, same as you, can't, can't do it. Uh, and uh, I, I, I've held on to a couple guys. For those who don't know, there is a, a way in the first Ontario. What is it? First Ontario Center. Center I, yep. I still call it cops. Same but, here. But the uh, the walkway, and you can see, and it's high, like it's, and it's um, very visual. You can see where you'll fall if it does. Of course, it's never, it's, it's always going to be fine. But um, yeah, uh, if you're not comfortable with heights, don't make that walk. Rick Zamperin, who I've had on from CHML, didn't even know there was a backup way to the press box. And he goes, how did you know? And I'm like, talk to Reese Dumani, Dumani, who does the work for the Bulldogs Audio Network, and he can show you. You have to climb up a lot of stairs. But for me, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of heights, so I decided no. to do the stair climbing instead. Oh, yeah, it's something else. But it's a great view of the ice from up there, I must say. Uh, yes, it is. And there's a lot of great history in that building. Uh, there's so much great history, Canada cup of 87 and Mario's goal and, um, Carey price one played for, uh, Hamilton in his one, in his, uh, AHL career. And, 
of course, you have uh, just so much uh, history in that uh, in that building. Uh, Jim San uh, World Junior Championships. Uh, Jim Sandlack and Shane Corson were part of Team Canada uh, when they they ended up losing. Uh, but uh, boy, that was exciting, and yeah, it's uh, it's got a great history that place. And you guys will be back there, I think, in another month or two. I'm not sure, either October 16th or in November at the uh, First Ontario Centre. Yeah, is that what I, I'm, I'm anymore, I'm like the players. I just go week to week. Where do we go this week? And I look, uh, I look ahead only seven days at a time. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to make the effort to come down from Guelph to see the Knights and uh, the Bulldogs because I think the Bulldogs are still going to have a good team this good year. Good team, eh? Yeah, I think yes. so. I think you're right. I think they're, you know, it'll, it'll be, um, you know, when you lose Mason McTavish, you think they're, you know, and some of the other guys, uh, you know, they, you might be a drop off, but boy, they, uh, uh, Steve Steos has uh, done a great job there, um, putting that organization together. And, um, you know, the fans got excited during the run last year to the OHL title and they put some people in that place and it was great to see. It really was a, a, a really wonderful, lively uh, situation there. So uh, the more the merrier in terms of, uh, you know, the OHL getting into more markets like that. Because sometimes they, it, it's, you know, there's, a, it just goes in waves there in Hamilton. Sometimes you, and it's not a great place when there isn't a crowd. It's not a great place. Absolutely. To, right? Uh, so you want to see the fans excited about that team. And uh, they've always sort of been that, tweener city well ohl ahl and we want an nhl team but you know ohl has proven there that uh it can work and um you know i hope it's sustained for the long term yeah and i believe they are talking about doing some re major renovations to that arena as well because it's been open since november 30th 1985 that is that true and that and i think the the event to open it up was that world junior a championship uh, in the in Christmas. You're right in in '85, and uh, wow, that's when you think about that now. Wow, that's 37 years ago, and and not too many buildings uh, don't need updating after 37 years. Definitely. So, the, like you said, hopefully uh, they'll make some renovations. I think they want to lower the capacity because I don't think they need 17,000 seats anymore. I think. What they need is something similar to, to London has, and I about 9,000, 10,000 seats. Well, when they opened it, uh, like you said, in 85, um, it was just shortly after that that the suites, the private suites came in. You, all, you had to have private suites. And I, I think when they were talking about getting, I mean, they built it to get an NHL team, let's face facts, and uh, almost happened a couple times. But um the lack of suites really uh, hurt their chances. They just didn't have that same infrastructure for the high revenue generating capacity, you know, seating. And um, so there, you know, that may be something to look at, but I think you're right. Um, probably with, uh, with, with Buffalo, I think Buffalo would still have a veto um, and Toronto, they probably have to sort of adjust their sites on uh, on an NHL franchise. Absolutely. But I would like to see another American OHL franchise to, to bring it up to four teams. 
Yeah, that's there are some possibilities um, for sure. Uh, whether Ro Rochester, Syracuse, Syracuse, Rochester, upstate New York, even uh, even Buffalo, that uh, could work well with uh, with Erie, with Niagara. Um, yeah, I don't know where else in Michigan. I think they've got all the markets pretty much covered in Michigan. Um, Detroit as you know, you're really up against it in Detroit, as Plymouth uh, proved. You're seven, eight, nine on the list of things to do, you know, and and uh, people still love uh, Michigan, Michigan State hockey there. Uh, so, yeah, it's a tough sell, the OHL, right in Detroit proper or even in uh, Plymouth, suburban Plymouth it was. But uh, Flint, Saginaw, doing doing well, I think. And so, uh, yeah, they're... they're you know, could Port Huron do it? Maybe, maybe uh, that would, you know, obviously Sarnia, Port Huron. But yeah, maybe another American uh, team. But boy, it sure was a problem. Um, it, it COVID exposed the border as a, a tough situation for the OHL. So uh, I also think from the talent pool point of view that 20 in this league is actually a good place to be. Um, I'm not sure... Uh, you know, with with the talent pool that there is, that there's uh, room for any more. You're already uh, into a couple of imports. Uh, you may want to consider another overage or U.S. players. Are they coming as much as they used to? Don't know. But uh, I, I think 20 is a good uh, spot for the talent pool that we have. Okay, and that you make a good point there as well. And uh, the more teams you have, then you, you're going to have trouble finding more talent as well. So, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there as well. I haven't heard any talk of expansion or or anything. Um, you know, we'll see if, like we say, uh, post pandemic, we'll see in what financial uh, shape some of these smaller franchises are in that haven't had the. Uh, opportunity to sell too many tickets over the last three years. Um, but I think, uh, you know, uh, we'll, it's back and, and uh, hopefully we'll keep the pandemic at bay enough to put some people in the seats. Absolutely. This leads to my next question, Jim. Um, thoughts on the off season for your London Knights and your 2022 draft picks. And, and has anybody stood out so far from that draft pick in the Knights lineups? Um, they're really, um, so far, um, through, uh, the, uh, preseason and, uh, through one game, um, haven't had a good read, uh, too much on that. The Knights were, had a lot of draft picks in 21 and, uh, 20 that they are still looking at. Um, they had uh, stockpiled draft picks there. So the 22 draft picks, Luca Testa was a scratch uh, in the home opener. Um, and the next two draft picks are playing junior B. So they've, uh, they've already uh, established that. They did select Zach Bowen, a goaltender, in the fourth round last year. And he's signed and made the team. Uh, he was back up to Brochu the other night. So that was a good pick. And that was a great story because he was one of those guys uh, – CDP that went undrafted in his draft year through the end of the pandemic. And, you know, it's great to see a young player get that second chance. And uh, so I look forward to, he had a good preseason in goal. So that's a name to watch for Zach Bowen. But as of uh, right now, the 2022 draft picks, um, you know, showed well enough in the preseason. I think Testa came as advertised as a guy who can create some offense, some, um, 
guy who's going to get points in the league and uh, has some leadership. Uh, played for the Niagara Stars. Uh, Sam O'Reilly is playing junior B and off to a great start with the London Nationals. He's got uh, at least two goals last I checked. And uh, William Nickel is signed with St. Thomas. So he's a pretty good looking prospect as well. So the uh, one guy that is really on the radar for the Knights fans is uh, an American by the name of Hagens, James Hagens. And uh, he's making some waves in uh, the uh, development program in the States, seen as a real high-end talent and, um, you know, not a big guy, but really has a lot of skill. And they, uh, hockey world is starting to cast an eye to him because he's had uh, a few uh, good, you know, he's had a good year, um, seems to be growing a little bit. So he's, he's one to watch, uh, skilled forward. Uh, out of uh, out of the U.S. So those are some of the picks uh, from 22 for the Knights. I was going to say, the f- it sounds like the future is bright for the Knights. How much are you guys going to miss Luke Evangelista and Antonio Stranges? Well, really, um, this is a unique uh, kind of situation for the Knights because I can't remember the last time they didn't have that kind of veteran talent to sort of take over the reins. And uh, those guys had it all as far as offense and leadership and just kind of the main personalities on the team. Uh, Luke was a great captain. He was a leader. And Strongest was kind of that elite talent who took on the responsibility of he had a good playoff. You know, he he could score goals that only he could score kind of idea. And um, they're going to miss them. But that's the way things are in junior hockey. You don't really get a chance to have you just as soon as fans get to really know them, especially because of the pandemic out they go. And uh, that's the, both the blessing and the, and the tough part, but uh, they, they did their part. They were uh, great London Knights, and, you know, it was a great story. Uh, Luke Evangelista, Evangelista, just in the way that, you know, he uh, accepted the development process and uh, went from, uh, great midget player in Oakville, super scorer, couldn't get a goal in his first year, like not one, this. And uh, and yet I sat in front of him on the bus, no complaints, no complaints about ice time, no complaints about bad luck. He put a couple in that got disallowed that first year, couldn't get one in his first year, and then ended up scoring over 50 in his final year. So you have to trust in the process. They, uh, you know, this league is tough and a lot of the minor midgets come in and, well, you know, I was a dominant player in minor midget and then it, it takes a while. And Luke was a great example. I guess it's also called paying your dues. too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I was going to say, who are some of the guys left on this Knights team that are going to take a leadership role with this uh, team in 22, 23? Yeah, I think, well, when you, when you think about, uh, we'll start up front. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, the overagers and the older players that are remaining are going to be, uh, Sean McGurn and, um, Max McHugh. They're going to sort of have to pick up the scoring load, but a little bit further down on the, in terms of age is a guy named Denver Barkey, who, uh, has a lot of that elite skill that the Knights, uh, look to build around. And, uh, he is such a great puck handler not the biggest guy, as uh, as they say, but um, I think he's got that potential to be a big point producer in the OHL. And it was a bit of a 
kind of a off the radar pick when they took him from the Toronto Titans. Uh, but uh, they had faith and um, he actually played quite a bit last year for a 16 year old in a London Knights uniform. And I think they look for him to uh, take a big step up in year two. He's a very good puck distributor. He's a very good passer. He has uh, this, these hands uh, that are just beautiful. The way he handles the puck, it's like the stick is just a part of his body. And, um, and I think I, I think he'll take the biggest sort of jump from year one to, to two. But uh, it's a lot of pressure in this league to be targeted that way. And um, he has gained a little weight, and he's also grown just a little bit, which will help. But I think uh, yeah, fans are going to love watching him play here in London. And, and he's already sort of a, a fan favorite. And uh, I think he's one to watch for sure. On, uh, on uh, defense, uh, that seemed to be uh, the strength of the Knights. Isaiah George was an NHL draft pick, as was Jackson Edward. And so those two are ready to go. Um, Logan Mayu, don't know. Uh, he's been, uh, you know, when you, when you see him, he's just a dominant force. Um, but he's played like 16 games in the OHL. So he needs to get back and healthy. The word is like he is coming back and, and will get healthy soon, but uh, it's been a while for him. Um, he's been skating with Montreal. So uh, that's a good sign. Um, also on defense are some overage possibilities in Jared Keane and Bryce Montgomery. So when all is said and done, that should be a strength for the London Knights. They will have, a decision to make on the overage situation. There are four of them here, but that's kind of the breakdown. A defensive team should be a strength for the London Knights when everybody comes back, but some of the offense is um, going to have to be uh, done by committee, done by new names, new faces. But in a lot of cases, that's the way the Knights uh, do things. They develop their players maybe away from the spotlight. Uh, you can think of uh, Liam Foodie, for example, and Luke Evangelista, as you've mentioned, um, Mitch Marner got quite a bit of ice time in, in first year, but he wasn't um, kind of that relied upon force that he would become. Uh, but they uh, they have to have uh, guys like uh, maybe Caden Johnson, Matthew Paris, Luca Testa may get a chance. Um, some Ben Bujol, the first round pick from a couple of years ago, they're going to have to chip in on the offense. So they're looking at scoring by a little bit more of a committee but it's also an opportunity for young guys who have been in minor midget were great scorers. And it's like, now's your chance guys. Here you go. There's going to be some power play time up for grabs and take it. Now I was going to ask you, how big is it to have overage goalie Brett Bichu, uh back this season for the Knights as well? Well, it's everything, right? Um, it's uh, you, you saw it in the opener the other night. I mean, the Knights uh, basically were, in the game in the second period could have been worse. Um, and his, his teammates love him. His teammates know how good he can be. And uh, the goalie of the year, the reigning goalie of the year, but uh, yeah, he keeps, and especially on a team that's growing in terms of its offense, um, you know, you need that steadying force back there to, uh, to keep, keep you in games while you grow. So I think the Knights are going to figure things out for fifth, 15, 20 games, the first 15, 20 games, there'll be a growth uh, process, but then I think they'll be uh, uh, fine after that. Okay. And this leads to my next question. I'm not sure if it was Mike Stubbs that uh, 
told me this a year ago, but have the Knights uh, named their captain and assistants yet? And who decides? Is it uh, the players have a vote on that or is it the coach and general manager, the Hunters and, and Rob Simpson? Yeah, I think it's a, a combination. Um, I think the players do get a say, and I don't know this for a fact. I haven't been in the room, but um, the uh, the answer to your first part of the question is no, There's they haven't named a captain and an assistant uh, captains yet. And um, who decides? I, I guess um, the players get a vote, but I think also the coaches uh, get a vote as well. And, you know, uh, I don't know, probably a coach's vote's worth more than a player. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I can't help you too much on how that decision is made. But uh, the Knights have a long history of uh, great captains going way, way back. I think Daryl Sittler was the first uh, London Knight captain and uh, it's gone from there. You know, it's been a, a proud tradition of captains here. Uh, so whoever it is, I, I, I can't even say um, it, they'll have uh They'll have some uh, young players to tutor and mentor. I, I can tell you that. It's probably as young a Knights team as I've seen in a long time, CDP. Are you still okay for time for a few more minutes? Yeah, sure. Okay, I just wanted to double check with you. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, uh, what are the overall what are the overall expectations from the, the fans and the media in London for this year's London Knights team? Um, I would say that the hunters have built a, um, an organization where they're, they're not afraid of expectation. Um, I think fans have trust in their operation. Um, that's a bit of a mystery type question because I think there's some unknown things as far as upfront and who's going to score. So, but uh, if you ask the fans and it's been true, you look at the record, uh, they usually figure things out. Um, and the one thing that you are always sure of is that the uh, Knights will do what's best for their organizations long term. It was not it was not easy, for example, to uh, to set to look at your team and say, I mean, the one of their favorite players over the years, I can I can tell you was uh, Robert Thomas, that he embodied everything that a London that they want a London Knight to be. And they had they traded him. They traded him to uh, Hamilton, and Hamilton went on that uh, championship run a few years ago. It wasn't the Knights didn't want to trade Robert Thomas, <laughs> but that and at that time they were like I forget third or fourth place in the fourth place in the conference, but that's not good enough for them. And so that is uh, kind of the way the Knights operate. They don't really like rebuilding. Um, uh, it's uh, and and I think. Um, that's just not in their DNA. And so uh, expectations. Um, I think there are a bit lower expectations compared to other years uh, for the final end, but there's always this sense that somehow trust in the system, it does work. And we will, whoever takes on the role of scorer or leadership, um, we'll figure it out that Dale will, Come kind of figured out. Uh, they've got a, almost a 700 winning percentage over 15 years. So that will include a somewhat ups and downs for sure, but the downs are relative, right? If um, So I, I do think that um, the one thing about um, 
the off season and what you, when you ask about expectations, um, it, the Sam Dickinson trade was fascinating to me. Um, it was really interesting to see the Knights say, okay, we, you know, this guy's available. For, how long has it been since we had a chance at a, at a quality talent like this? Probably since Rick Nash, just in terms of our own draft pick, right? Um, we're, we're, we typically don't, you know, they typically pick 11 to uh, 12. That's a high. And then to 19, 20. And so guys, players like Sam Dickinson uh, just don't come around that often when you're the London Knights. And here's this opportunity. Uh, was like similar to Will Cooley the other year when Cooley was third or fourth and was not reporting to Peterborough. So the Knights jumped on it. And I think there was like this... Uh, um, not a new era necessarily, but uh, new, uh, another creative way to accumulate an excellent talent. And so they saw this, like nobody likes to trade away that many draft picks, but all the scouting reports on this guy um, are, are that he's the real deal and you just don't get a chance at, uh, I think somebody told me, you know, if you get, if you get a chance at a Sam Dickinson, somebody has been fired because you're picking you're picking so high, right? So I think it was a new uh, way to uh, acquire talent for the London Knights, and I think it was a bold move, and I think a lot of fans are are quite uh, willing to say, okay, uh, maybe uh, Sam Dickinson is our building block along with Testa and a couple of other young guys, Barky, and that if. Um, and I, th I do believe that by the end of the year, those three guys are going to be outstanding players. I was going to say, what are your first impressions of Sam when he came to the Knights? And what are his strengths as a defenseman? Well, the first thing you, uh, uh, first thing that comes to mind is, is presence. And I remember interviewing Jacob Chikrin when he first came to Sarnia. He was the first pick overall one year. And Jacob had family connections uh, with his dad in the OHL and, um, I remember uh, him as well, uh, but Jacob had this confidence and presence, even at 16, Sam has that, and he's a bigger guy already. He's pushing 200 pounds. I think he's about 197. Uh, so you, you are immediately um, impressed with presence that he, none of this phases him. Um, but also the combination of skill and size is really impressive. I'm not sure if you saw the, Highlight the other night, he, he picked up, he made a nice defensive play at the, uh, at the blue line and then started a play up ice and had the speed. So he had the skill to steal a puck, the speed to stay ahead of the pack, and the skill again to slip a beautiful pass through the legs of Sam Sedley and right on the stick of Bonk and for the first goal of the year. And, and it was like, wow, okay, this is a 16-year-old. And you, so you can see the natural ability um, and you just, uh, you, you, you know, he's, he, I say Jacob Chikrin as a kind of a picture. I'm not saying he's the next Jacob Chikrin, but that combination of skill and size reminds he's in, he's in that sort of family of defensemen, the Jacob Chikrin type family of, of defensemen. So I think he's, uh, just kind of, I mean, with the Marley's organization, you're just, you're used to excellence and your own standard and Marley's have produced so many great young players. And I think he's just another in the long line. So most, most teams considered him the best defenseman in the draft. I see no reason at this point through uh, preseason and one regular season game to, 
to suggest otherwise. Okay. And uh, I just got two quick questions to wrap this sure. up, Jim. This one I wanted to ask you, uh, who are some other teams in the OHL in the Western Conference that can compete this year? We have all obviously brought up uh, Owen Sound, and, and and in the East we've uh, talked about the Hamilton Bulldogs. Is there maybe a couple teams that fans should keep their eyes on uh, this season? Um, well, I haven't, uh, you know, just on roster talent, that's all I would have to go on as far as, uh, you know, who's uh, coming back. If Wyatt Johnston comes back to Windsor, uh, I, I think they're going to be good. I think they've got a pretty good organization there. Um, Dallas, who knows? I think he's, I mean, he was the best player in the league last year uh, by the voting and the trophy. Uh, so if he's back, they'll be, uh, they'll be a good team. Uh, Sarnia looks like with the back, uh, the backbone of Ben Godreau, they're going to be uh, tough to deal with. Um it looks like uh, I'll see the Sioux on uh, on Friday, so uh, I, I, I'll, I'll have to sort of reserve uh, comment on them. Uh, but for the uh, last couple of years, I can tell you, uh, the Greyhound system kind of left over somewhat from the Kyle Dubas uh, era. They've kind of picked up on the same kind of puck possession, speed, skill. I mean, they just are a track meet. They get after it, and, and so they'll be uh, fun to watch. Um, Owen Sound to me, like we talked about, is uh, kind of a, a franchise that's just right on the cusp. And I, Colby Barlow, if you want to invest in stock, invest in the Colby Barlow business because I think he's going to be the next uh, OHLer to push for a really high uh, NHL spot. He's uh, dynamic and it looks to me like he's put on about 10 pounds. And he's got that strong core in the middle and uh, he can skate, he can shoot the puck and he, he was named captain. Um, what a leader. And uh, I, I just think he's the neck. He's just so fun to watch and, and good for them for uh, jumping on him at the draft a couple of years ago. You know, you didn't know uh, Marley Toronto Marley kid was, and he went right to Owen sound said, I'm here to, I'm here for business. I'm here to, be the best I can be. And uh, don't you worry about, you know, anything else. And uh, here he is cap named captain of the team. So uh, I, I think those are some of the teams I'm, I'm watching. Kitchener always seems to be able to find a way to be decent and Guelph we talked about. Uh, so there it's, you know, the, the West is uh, always interesting and never, you know, never easy. I still okay. think it's better than the East. Yes, it's been like that probably pretty well for the last 20 years, except yeah. for, I know, Oshawa's, Oshawa team. Yeah, I, I think Oshawa's had a few good teams and Hamilton's been quite successful in their seven years back in the, uh, well, not back in the OHL, but coming yeah. from Belleville. So they've been successful, but generally speaking, the West has really dominated the OHL pretty well the last 20, the last two decades. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, your standard is usually, um, so high in the West that you, if you're not sort of after uh, long-term excellence, uh, the the rest of the Western Conference will just leave you behind. So we'll see. We'll see how Saginaw and Flint are. Flint should Flint should be good. Saginaw may take another year or or two, but I think they've assembled some great young talent. It's just a matter of how fast they come. I was going to say former London Knight player. Uh, Anwal Penwall was traded yeah. to the Pete's. I think that was an excellent move by the Peterborough Pete's. 
I, I, I agree. Um, and at very, you know, reasonable cost. I mean, here's a guy who's strong, uh, can play. Uh, he doesn't, you know, here's a, uh, he can help you win without having to score big numbers because he's good on faceoffs, strong, has a defensive presence. And I can tell you, Sahil's a great guy. Like, he's a good teammate, and people will really like having him around. He's good in the good, really solid individual. Definitely. And I was going to say, I'm going to wrap this up. Which arena in the Eastern Conference are you looking forward to coming back to this year? And where can my audience uh, here in Guelph follow you on social media? Okay. Um, well, I always love Ottawa. Um, it's just a unique atmosphere in Ottawa with uh, the uh, big screen, the stands on one side, the, our broadcast location is so interesting. And, and just the last time uh, we were there, it was just, it was one of the most memorable games of all time. Uh, the Knights in Ottawa had sort of established themselves as the strength in each of the conference and London went in, it was a four, two win for London. It was kind of the, uh, not the arrival, but Brett Rochu really backstopped the Knights to that win. And they had Alec Regula scoring a couple on the power play and McMichael was, uh, you know, having a great year and then the pandemic hit. So, uh, I, I two weeks before the pandemic hit, they played that game in Ottawa and it said to, it said to you, boy, a London Ottawa final would have been so fantastic. I mean, if given the conditions that were right there at the time, but then the pandemic took. So Ottawa is the my, one of my favorite places to go just to watch a game, and you feel like the occasion is always big. Um, so that would be it. And um, on the other side of that spectrum, Sudbury. I want to walk up. Now, uh, you got to try Sudbury if you're scared of heights, walking up those <laughs> stairs to get to the Sudbury press box. That'll be a test for you, CDP, if you're not into heights, because it's, uh, but that's the old flavor of rink, right? And uh, I, I look forward to getting back to those two places. Peterborough is always enjoyable. Um, Kingston has a nice, uh, nice spot. It's always great to see uh, Jim Gilchrist and Scott Rogers. But, um, you know, Sudbury and Ottawa would be the two rinks uh, that I'm looking forward to uh, getting back to. Um, as far as, uh, of course, uh, social media, my Twitter handle uh, at JCVH60. I forget when I, I forget why I, when I set up that account. Um, JC C is my middle name, Clark, James Clark, and 60 is the year I was born. So <laughs> that's why that exists. So at JCVH60. And, uh, so that's, that's prime, my primary, um, spot for any, uh, social media contact. Okay. I was going to say congratulations to, I think the London Knights, uh, assigned a five-year deal with uh, 980. Yes, News. they did. So you and, uh, Mike will be with the Knights for a little bit longer. One can only hope. Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a great run, um, and uh, I, I can't say enough about Mike. Um, you know, everybody knows. I think when they tune in, um, how how great he is at what he does. Um, but I can tell you, uh, he's a even a better person, uh, and so I look forward to working with uh, with him for uh, the next five. And I definitely enjoy like listening to you guys. And now that yeah, we can listen to the games on the internet, it's wow. uh, better. Isn't it yeah. something, eh? It's just amazing. And and guys, I couldn't listen to back in the seventies and eighties if I wasn't in the Gulf Kitchener area. Now I can listen to all the broadcasters pretty well from every team in the OHL 
or the well, same and I, Exactly. And I know that even doing this show, you get uh, you, with the World Wide Web, you get, uh, you know, uh, an audience around the world. We, we are constantly amazed by uh, all the people who've come through London and became Knights fans when they were here and then they move on. But, oh, so-and-so is listening in New Zealand and Singapore and, and all points in the States. It's just so fun. Yes, and uh, right now I have uh, uh, listeners in the 19 countries for my podcast show. Wow. I never thought that would happen. That's amazing. Two and a half, yeah. and a half years ago. But uh, like I said, Jim, I'll wrap this up. Uh, a podcast is only as good as its guest. I'm just a host, and uh, I've been very lucky and fortunate to get guys ar around from all the sports leagues. And the OHL has been really supportive, especially the OHL, of what I'm trying to do. Wow. It's a pleasure to be on uh, with you, Chris. Great talking to uh, talking OHL hockey always, and wish you the best. And uh, congratulations to Barry Cullens for uh, joining your team. Well, thank you so much. And uh, next time I have you on, we'll have to talk a little more about the D Detroit Tigers, and hopefully uh, Scott Harris will get the Tigers uh, back yeah. back in uh, running the back in contention. Hopefully in twenty twenty three. Oh, I love your hat. I love to talk Detroit sports of any kind. Uh, so I look forward to that. I'll hold you to it. Definitely. And uh, I will let you and Mike know uh, when I come down to London this year, because I'd like to catch a game at the Budweiser Gardens. And I'd like to travel Ontario and do some other, some other arenas as well. Oh, good. That, that's the way to do it. Um, it's a, it, it's, it's, it promises to be a great league this year. And, and uh, I look forward to uh, getting the comp, you know, 68 games, no interruptions, have everybody uh, back as close to normal as we can. Okay. Well, Jim, I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much for coming on. And I wish you and Mike all the best in the 2020-2023 season. And you guys can catch uh, yourself and Mike on uh, 980 News in London, Ontario. And your next game is Friday night at 7 o'clock against those Sioux Greyhounds. Then we're off to Erie on Saturday night. Saturday night in Erie, nothing better. And it's a nice city, too. I like Erie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Okay, Jim, thank you so much again for coming on Season 4, Episode 37, Alive with CDP Sports Talk. And please say hi to Mike for me. Will do, buddy. Okay, have a good night, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast uh, with uh, Jim Van Horn. Uh, um, professor at Fanshawe College and also the color analyst uh, for the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League as well. Guys, just bear with me. I'm just going to show you a little bit of my interview after the uh, Storm game the other night with uh, Ryan Humphrey from the uh, OHL champion, Hamilton Bulldogs. CDP. I'm here with uh, Ryan Humphrey, number 22 from the Hamilton Bulldogs who won the OHL championship last year. And tonight, uh, Hamilton defeated Guelph 5-4 in overtime with 3.6 seconds left on a goal by, I believe it was Guelph native Logan Morrison. Yes. So great game, uh, Ryan. Thoughts on this game tonight and the return of the OHL season? Yeah, I'm excited to get underway. We looked really good. Um, we did a lot of great things. I mean, it's early, so we got to clean up a couple things. But um, overall, I was really happy with the effort the guys put in and uh, it resulted in a 5-4 win overtime. I was going to say, you didn't dress tonight. Are you hurt or are you just a scratch for tonight or just from coming back from the Bruins training camp? Yeah, no, I actually hurt my shoulder a little bit. I should be going to go in about a week. So um, just letting that heal up. And um, yeah, like I said, I should be back uh, next weekend. How was training? How was the uh, 
training camp with the Boston Bruins. It was unbelievable um, just to be able to see the pace of play and um, what it's like at the next level. It was an awesome experience. So- Oh, guys, just bear with me. My video just froze. Just bear with me. Oh, anyway. I'm honored that Boston gave me the opportunity and felt like I had a good camp, so it was, it was fun. Any thoughts you want to say to Sandra Murray? He'll watch this later on. Yep. Hi, Sandra. You're the best. Um, I'm sure I'll talk to you later. So. I was going to say, and I, I hope Wolf and Hamilton play. Oh, bear with me, guys. Sorry about that. Just uh, technical difficulties with my uh, video interview with Ryan Humphrey from the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs. Just bear with me, and we'll see if we can get the video uh, playing again. Play more often because this was like a playoff game tonight, and it was just a hell of a goal in overtime by the Bulldogs. And and you know what? You guys came overcame adversity, got the two points, wins your next game, and I guess your home opener is home opener is next Saturday, October eighth. Yeah, home opener is next uh, weekend, and we play tomorrow in Peterborough. So hopefully we can keep it going. Okay, well, well Ryan, I wish I had more time, but I want to say thank you for coming on with CDP here and. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have you back on my podcast again in the future. And uh, you can definitely count me on coming down to the first Ontario Center for our. Sorry, guys. I apologize for the technical. Hamilton Bulldogs game here. And uh, I'm going to have to get one of your uh, black jerseys as well. Number 22, right? Yeah. And what was the story behind 22 again? Oh, my dad. Your dad. Okay, well, I want to say thank you so much for doing this, Ryan, and enjoy the win tonight and uh, the bus trip back to Hamilton, and then I guess you head out to Peterborough in the morning. So make sure you get some sleep. I will. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan, and good luck to you and the Hamilton Bulldogs in the 2022-2023 season. Thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Take care. Guys, that was Ryan Huffrey from the Hamilton Bulldogs, OHL champion Hamilton Bulldogs, and – I'll post this up on my YouTube channel later tonight. Take care. Thank you, Ryan. Anyways, guys, that clip was courtesy of my YouTube channel. And uh, Ryan Humphrey was nice enough uh, to do a post-game interview with me the other night at the Sleeman Center after Hamilton's 5-4 win over the Guelph Storm. Uh, Guys, just to let you know, my next live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cohen Chevrolet, will be Thursday. October 6th at 6 p.m. Eastern. My guest is Colin Ward. Uh, Colin is a host of the Hammertown, Hammertown Hamilton podcast and a contributor to the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs audio show. So uh, Colin's going to talk a little bit about his podcast show called Hammertown. It's basically about the Hamilton Bulldogs and sports teams in Hamilton. And also he's a, a contributor with the Hamilton Bulldogs audio network. So I look forward to uh, speaking with Colin Ward. And he also does uh, some color analyst work for the Intercounty Baseball League's Brantford Red Sox in the summertime alongside Reese Dumani as well. And the Hamilton Bulldogs open up their home season uh, Saturday or yeah, the home home opener Saturday, October 8th, seven o'clock against the 
Joshua Generals at the first Ontario Center. First 5,000 fans in the arena will get a replica OHL championship ring from the uh, Hamilton Bulldogs as well. So, again, thank you to Ryan for coming on. And, again, thank you to Jim Van Horn, um, a professor, a teacher at Fanshawe College in London in the broadcasting department and the uh, longtime color analyst for the London Knights on 980 News in London with Mike Stubbs uh, for coming on today and talking about the 22-23 uh, London Knights and also the uh, return of the Ontario Hockey League as well. And uh, let's see, guys, just like I do with all my shows, uh, just give me one second. I'm going to put that right on here. Live with CDP podcast. The audio version will be downloaded to Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn. And I want to say thank you to everybody watching this live on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe and hit like. And also thank you to those watching on Facebook Live and also on Twitter at Chris D. Palme as well. If you guys give me about 10, 15 minutes, I'll have this podcast downloaded to audio form with uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor FM, etc. as well. And also, guys, let you know, StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP podcast as well. And you guys can also check me out. Uh, you can follow me out on TikTok at Live with CDP. That's uh, at Live with CDP on TikTok. And uh, before we wrap this up, guys, again, you guys uh, can follow me on my be on my website, beacons.ai slash Chris D. Palme. That's beacons.ai slash Chris D. Palme as well. And that's about it, guys. Uh, again, uh, thanks to Jim Van Horn for coming on Season 4, Episode 37 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. You can check out their newest uh, and used uh, GM vehicles at barrycullen.com. And you guys can also, uh, for the old Electric Silverado, pre-orders are now available. So again, check out their website, barrycullen.com, or give them a call at 519-824-0210. And uh, tell them that uh, Chris Palme CDP sent you uh, as well. I've been a customer of Barry Cullen Chevrolet here in Guelph for 22 years, and they are good people and good service and good products as well. So again, thank you to Barry Cullen Chevrolet for sponsoring Live with CDP Sports Talk as well. And that's about it, guys. Again, I hope you guys uh, all have a great day. And uh, please check out my Twitter spaces tonight on Twitter at Christy Palme, 9 p.m. Eastern tonight, myself and my co-host Nick Small will be hosting the uh, weekly Argos uh, bounce Argo Bounce uh, weekly live audio show there at 9 p.m. Uh, me and Nick are going to break down the game against Calgary where the Argos lost 29-2, and we're going to preview the game against the British Columbia Lions this Saturday at 4 o'clock uh, at BMO Field, which yours truly, CDP, will be at that game uh, alongside my co-host Nick Small, who's an Argo season ticket holder as well. So I hope you guys can tune in to my Twitter page tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern for the Argo Bounce Live weekly podcast show. Again, my next Live with CDP podcast, sponsored by Barry Collins Chevrolet, is going to be this Thursday, October 6th, 
at uh, six o'clock with Colin Ward, the host of the Hammertown podcast and uh, a contributor with the Hamilton Bulldogs audio network. Again, thank you to Jim Van Horn from the London Knights for coming on and everybody for watching this podcast and listening to it. Have a great evening, everybody. And we'll talk to you guys on Thursday night at six o'clock for another edition of live with CDP sports talk brought to you by Barry Collins, Chevrolet, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall or check out barrycollins.ca, barrycollins.com. Good night, everybody.